Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors, and welcome to another episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Got a little bit of a different show today. We're about 120 episodes in. We've had a great ride. We're, we've been doing this for two years now. And as you guys know, I've talked about a lot on the show, everything that we do, we're always seeking to improve. And so from that vein, we're going to switch things up a little bit this season. Uh, we're going to give you guys some new content, new formats, continue with fantastic guests, we're going to start it by by flipping the roles uh, around a little bit. You know, one of the biggest things that I've, biggest pieces of feedback I've gotten is that in the show, I don't talk a ton about myself. And, you know, I constantly hear from people that they want to know more about my story. They want to know about more what's going on with Hudson Investing. What is Hudson Investing? You know, what are we doing? Um, so I thought that would be a great place to start and, you know, put myself in the hot seat, uh, get in front of the mic. And, that also allows me to, to do something that I'm so excited to do, which is introduce you guys to the other guy that's on the line here, Curtis Edwards, who has joined Hudson Investing as our vice president of, of investor relations. He's going to be running the mic today. And just like we do at the top of every show, let's let's start out first with Curtis. You know, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell folks about who you are and you know, why you're so passionate about multifamily investing. For sure, Kent. Thanks for uh, having me on. This is my debut on the Ritter on Real Estate podcast. So excited for this intro and uh, many more sessions uh, spitballing with you here uh, as the year um, comes along. Um, so yeah, my background, uh, wow, what a wild 20 years. So I'll try to keep it concise uh, here. But, you know, I started out, um, knowing that I love numbers and ended up going to Butler University uh, here locally as a finance and accounting double major and got into the sales world with JP Morgan Chase. My first uh, sales position, um, you know, they didn't really teach that at college. And for me, it, it was the first job or second job I had, but it didn't feel like I was working. You know, I was constantly on the move out there meeting with clients, 
learning about their needs and how we could help them. And, and I just absolutely loved it. And what it did was it kind of kicked in that entrepreneurial spirit that I've had. You know, both my grandparents had their own businesses and were mentors of mine. And it kicked in quickly as I was out there interviewing and talking to all of these different businesses that needed help uh, from, from JP Morgan. Um, at that point, after about a year and a half in, um, uh, I decided that I wanted to go start my own business. So why not in the second largest pizza capital of the United States, open up a pizza shop in Chicago. Now, a lot of that was just being naive and being 26. Uh, and this was just before the great financial crisis. So uh, I, that was my first capital raising, actually. I put uh, half the money in myself and then raised the other half from family and friends. We managed to survive the great financial crisis and thrive, actually. Um, and anyways, sold that business. I had an interested buyer that came in and wanted to open up a pizza shop, which her family had back in the day. And sold that pizza business and decided to take that money and roll that in, um, you know, to a speakeasy, all beer focused concept in Columbus, Ohio. We had that business for a successful seven years. And by the end of time, we had four or five competitors all around us in Columbus, Ohio. And it felt good to be on the leading front of that trend, you know, in the Midwest market, even though we were just a small uh, shop and we had a bunch of regulars, we really helped educate that market. So that was a wild 11 year ride. And all along that, I realized that, you know, from my finance background that, yeah, listen, I started and had all of my retirement money in equities. And I realized that I needed to be more diverse, especially into real estate. I have a family background in real estate. Uh, one of my first jobs was helping my dad flip homes in Columbus, Ohio. And my dad and my brother have been in the real estate space residentially, you know, for over 30, 40 years. So it's always been in the background. And I've seen different ways uh, that you can make money in real estate. And then when I look at how the wealthiest people in the world diversify their money, and especially as I've lived all over the world, you start to see uh, that it leans more towards a big chunk uh, into real estate, right? And there's many forms of that. So I started switching out of equities in the background, and I started my own single family rental portfolio in Columbus, Ohio, where I had inside information from my dad, you know, deals off market, uh, deals that had great floor plans, deals that allowed you to add another bedroom through an egress window and increase the rents, um, not knowing what was going to happen 10, 11 years down the road and where I was going to find my true passion and how I could maximize my skill set. And I started diving down the rabbit hole of um, multifamily and was looking to start my own multifamily syndicate on my own using the capital from selling my single family portfolio. At that point, I came in contact with somebody through my network once again, and it was a regional uh, firm here in Indianapolis. And that's where I got you know, my two-year start, specifically in multifamily workforce housing, uh, targeting on the Midwest markets. And, and what a phenomenal uh, education that was. And they were going through tremendous growth at that time. I was a part of raising the capital. I was the vice president of investor relations. And over that two-year period, we raised over $150 million. 
um, you know, really 18, 19 months. And so going through that tremendous growth and raising capital taught me a lot. And once again, you know, the stars aligning and just letting your network take center stage. You know, Kent, that's where, you know, you and I uh, met randomly and really just had a passion, right? That's where I saw both of our passion for this space, uh, but also looking at how everybody else in this industry was doing it and where were there some gaps in the market on how we can actually connect with the community um, and how how can we do things slightly differently? And really, it was it was the best uh, you know serendipitous meeting I've had in my career. You know, and how you and I, you know, our two stars collided. Yeah, absolutely. And and Curtis, I mean that that is an incredible journey. You've you've done a lot of different things, a lot of good perspectives, and. And absolutely, I agree with you that 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 serendipitous meeting uh, has been incredible and, and was a big, you know, big pivot point for the direction I was going um, and being able to just accelerate our growth uh, with a great partnership. And so uh, tons of value there. And so you guys got to know Curtis a little bit, understand his background. You know, he's going to become a recurring theme on the show as uh, we start to throw stuff back and forth and discuss ideas and He's going to be able to add a ton of value on how to raise capital and how to do it the right way with integrity uh, by building trust. And so excited in the future episodes to unpack even more of that. Today, though, what we're going to do is, as I said before, we're going to flip the mic around and I'm going to sit in the hot seat and we're going to let Curtis interview me. And it'll be interesting to see how this goes. I think it's going to go great. Um, But really, the idea is just to give you guys insights more into the business, more into why we're doing what we're doing, and also help you help you really avoid some pitfalls. Um, and talk about our lessons learned, what went well, what didn't go well over the past six months if we've experienced some incredible growth. So with that, I'm going to flip it over to Curtis and let him take the mic and we'll go from here. Sounds good, Kent. Uh, obviously, you've been a one-man show, you know, at the early part of your career here, but What's happened in these past six months has been incredible, right? You've seen some tremendous growth in these last six months. And let's take it back to the beginning. And really, let's tell the audience about why you started Hudson Investing. Yeah, so just a a quick intro to kind of frame things up. up. Because I haven't really talked about that on this show. I've been on a lot of other podcasts. You guys may have heard my story there. But here from my audience, just so you guys understand where I'm coming from, I started out, um, spent a career in management consulting, right? Started a business in management consulting, sold that business in 2015, and that really kicked off my real estate career. Uh, similar to Curtis's story, figuring it out, you know, flipping houses, building a duplex portfolio, doing a lot of different strategies, right? Until I found multifamily and I found multifamily syndications. And the impetus of founding Hudson Investing in in 2019 was really that I wanted to, I was having incredible success in real estate. I was getting returns that I didn't know were possible out there, honestly, uh, because I'd never experienced that before. I'd been hundred percent equities as well, because it was all I knew. Um, And I wanted to bring more people in, similar to Curtis's story, wanting to bring in friends, family, right? And really allow the community around me to thrive and do better. And I thought that with my business background, my competency, and the success I'd had so far, that I was confident that I could do that. So that was really the impetus for founding Hudson Investing. 
uh, was to bring everybody else along the ride with me. Um, and it's been an incredible journey, you know, it's been, um, it's, but it's been largely a one man show, as you said. And as I've gone through different partnerships on different deals and, and various relationships, you know, when you're getting started, you just do a lot of things to try to figure it out. What I realized was that to really be successful in this space, you know, you've got to surround yourself with great people, but you've got to also build, I think, a team that has a standardized process, understands the best way of doing things, and is consistently um, implementing that approach over and over again. And and when you're partnering with people here or there, um, you don't get that consistency. You don't get that consistent level of quality, the standardization. And that's so important when you're growing any business, um, but especially when you're growing um, a multifamily business, you know, and you're buying properties in different locations all over the uh, Midwest, it's that consistency, that standardized approach and finding experts that are all really bought into the same mission so that your team is aligned and you're all going that same direction. And so that was really what took me from understanding that the need for a one-man show and how much I could accomplish to what we could do together together as a team um, and in really building out Hudson Investing. Kent, do you want to give the listeners um, a little info on what you know the team looks like now? You know, obviously you've been a one-man show for a while, but you've had a bunch of strategic hires here. Um, you want to comment on that? Yeah. So, so part of the growth uh, that occurred over the last six months, because it, it's really been a crazy journey. I mean, if you think about six months ago, uh, it was really myself, and you know, I had I had a host of contractors that were supporting me, um, and really one. Uh, one intern who was was doing a lot of my underwriting, um, who I taught to just kind of basically put the numbers in the spreadsheet. From there now, uh, we've added Curtis to the team, who's really taken over building our investor relationships. We've added a director of acquisitions, a guy named Steve Meeker, who, who has a similar excellent institutional pedigree, uh, who's 100% focused on finding deals. Uh, we've added Taylor Cherry to the team, who's our manager of investor experience, who's really just there to make sure every investor has a white glove experience, uh, walk walk everybody through the process. You know, it can be daunting, especially making your first real estate investment, just very unfamiliar. So having somebody there to hold your hand, walk you through the process is really just the kind of experience I want to create for investors. Um you know, and we're also hiring, uh, we're actually bringing in right now a leader for our, our asset management team. As we've uh, grown the portfolio and scaled, we've developed a need to bring somebody in to just be uh, accountable for the performance of that portfolio and be 100% focused on driving value uh, for the properties and to our investors. And so, yeah, building out that team of just rock star people, I'm just, I'm so humbled by the Honestly, the uh, quality of the people that have gotten on this crazy ride with me and and have been bought into the mission, and it's more than I ever expected. And I just am a hundred percent confident that this is the right team, you know, to help us get to the finish line or win the Super Bowl or whatever analogy you want to put. Right, this is the right team to win, and so I'm just so excited for the for the future right now. Yeah, well, we'll keep the analogies going here. Uh, you know, it sounds like, you know, what you just described, you know, when I hear that, sounds like you have the foundation set. 
right? So why decide to hit the pedal, right? Or let that rocket ship take off, right? Why now on that? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, right? So I think there's, um, if you think about some lessons I've learned, I mean, in multifamily, really there's there's safety and scale, right? It's difficult to be um, to be an operator that only has maybe one or even two, three properties, right? It as you scale, um, there's incredible economies that you gain from that. Whether it's cost savings, whether it's the ability to have you know better, more efficient insurance. Um, there's a lot of things that that reduce risk as you scale in a firm, right? It's also the ability to hire individuals that frankly are better than I am at any one piece of this puzzle, right? And that's what we have on the team now. I think I've got a great vision, the ability to drive strategy, create high-level relationships. But when you get into the weeds of asset management, for example, you know, while I think I'm good at it, I'm not great at it. And frankly, it's not my passion at the end of the day. So the ability to bring people in where their passion is aligned with their role uh, and they're experts in that space and they come from you know institutional level training I think that just adds a, a lot of it reduces reduces a lot of risk in the portfolio right and in what we can do for our investors um as far as and also as you scale it's again it's better technology it's the ability to, um, it's better service our customers, the ability to find better deals, right? Have access to data and information. I mean, we spend $50,000 a year at this point on data, uh, be able to be in the right markets, have the right information, find the best deals, know when trends are coming, right? Those are things you can't just do as um, a one-man show. And so all of that coming together is why I think to be successful in this business, you really do have to scale. And when you're bringing in other people's money, I mean, the first lesson is, you know, don't, we don't want to lose money, right? It's that, that, that number one Warren Buffett lesson, don't lose money. And all these things that we're doing are about really reducing the risk in the portfolio by expanding geographically, expanding into better assets and, and with a stronger team, all those things. Uh, if you think about why now, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a funny question, I mean, a lot of people are pulling back in the market right now. We've seen that uh, on both sides. We've seen sellers, we've seen buyers really drop out of the market. A lot of people are uncertain on what's going to happen, right? Interest rates have gone up like crazy. It's really thrown people for a loop. Um, you know, a lot of people who made, who had too aggressive of assumptions over the past couple of years are really struggling within their portfolio uh, and not focused on new acquisitions. So I think- where we've got a leg up is in the ability to be nimble. Uh, we've got a strong portfolio in Midwestern markets who are are seeing right now just kind of catching the rent growth wave. Have we seen Indianapolis hit the top of the rent growth um, on the rent growth chart, which kind of surprised everybody in December? A report came out with CoStar at uh, India ahead of Miami, um, and so we've got a great foundation to build on. We've got a stable portfolio. And so I think we're we're better positioned there with the current portfolio, not putting out fires. I think also, you know, you can't operate out of fear. And I think at the end of at the end of the day, if you get past all the noise and you look at a longer term horizon, we are in, in my 
opinion, the best asset class, the most stable, the best risk-adjusted return. There's huge need for housing. That hasn't gone away. What's happened is more and more people are just being priced out of buying a home, which is forcing more people to rent longer. As inflation continues, that that's not going to stop um, and because housing is a big part of that inflation. Interest rates are high. So people are getting hit on both sides. Um, and we're just seeing that need for an affordable housing option, you know, and we're not able to build into that to a level to provide the supply in the markets that we're in to meet that demand. And so if you look at the long-term fundamentals, interest rates are not going to stay high forever. They can't. Um, if you look at the other macroeconomic things that, that it's producing and what's going on. So I look at this as a time where I think we can prevent, I think we can pick up some fantastic deals over the next 18 months. So I wanted to be positioned to get out there and take advantage of that opportunity. Because if you think about in an environment where we have distressed sellers, where we have folks who's, you know, we're planning on refinancing maybe at a 4% interest rate, and that's just not going to happen, right? You think about there's buyers that are sitting on the sidelines um, just out of fear. Um, and if you think about the future environment, you know, and future value, if we can buy deals now as interest rates come down, uh, cap rates continue their compression, um, I think there's going to be fantastic opportunities to create a ton of value um, in, you know, the five-year, six-year time horizon. Yeah, well said. I love the point on the distressed sellers uh, because I do feel like, you know, that's a topic that you, me, and Steve chat about all the time. Uh, how do we keep our eye on that, right? Um, so I think that's a that's a great point there. Um, do you have any other comments or thoughts on cap rates here, the expansion or the compression? Um, you know, around that topic. So Curtis, great question on cap rates. Um, you know, I think there's a fundamental uh, flawed assumption or understanding that, that cap rates move in lockstep with interest rates or the interest rate increases drive cap rate increases. While, while there's a correlation there, there's a difference between correlation and causation, right? Um, if you dig in deeper and there's a fantastic macroeconomist named Peter Lindman, who I follow, who's a, a professor at Wharton, and he talks a lot about this. He talks about, you know, if you really dig into the data, it's not that uh, interest rates and cap rates move in lockstep. It's re what really drives cap rates is the availability of capital um, to invest in real estate. Right. And so if you think about that, well, inter when interest rates are lower, debt is cheaper, the capital is more available. Right. And so that that increases the amount of capital chasing real estate. That's what traditionally as, as interest rates have gone down, has moved cap rates down. And, and in converse, as interest gone up, gone up. The thing that's different right now is remember back to COVID. Remember the I believe the number ended at something like $9 trillion that were created uh, through the stimulus through COVID, right? All A lot of that capital really still hasn't been deployed. And there's about $5 trillion, if you look at balance sheets, sitting on the sidelines waiting to be deployed. A lot of that's sitting in institutions. And so if you think about the... That's what's different than any time before is this just dry powder sitting on the sidelines that needs to be deployed and needs to be deployed for a yield. And so when you look at that, 
um, as much as interest rates have increased, you know, there's still so much demand out there and so much capital chasing a great risk adjusted return. And it's not the folks like us that really drive the needle on that. When you think about the REITs, you think about the Blackstones of the world, right? That are have billions and billions of dollars waiting to deploy. That's really what's driving it. So that's why I don't think we're going to see, and we haven't seen to date, this large cap rate expansion following uh, interest rates. We've seen a little bit, but it's because of that capital that's seeking deals. As long as that demand is there, it's going to keep prices high and cap rates down. I think we are going to see a little bit of a buying opportunity, but I think as soon as the the interest rates come down, uh, which will happen in a couple of years, I, I think the floodgates open. And I think uh, yeah, Steve, our acquisitions director, had an I think an awesome analogy of it was like, you know, you think about Black Friday, it's going to be you know folks chasing that five hundred dollar flat screen, you know, at Best Buy, right? You know climbing tooth and nail to, to get to that. I mean, that's what it's going to be like. It's going to be, a, I think, a buying frenzy again. So again, why I think it's so important right now over the next couple of years to pick up great assets in great markets and be in a position to offer those as everybody else comes back into the market. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to, right? Great assets, great market, and staying ahead of those macro trends, right? That's the way it's always been in this space. A hundred percent, man. I mean, it, it's all driven at the end of the day. It's a fantastic long-term asset. Uh, if you can get through the noise and continue to act, these are, these are the time periods right now where there's opportunities um, to buy, which they're, you know, in a position that we haven't been in over the past, I don't know, so 12 years as things have only gone up and up and up and up. Yeah. Well, let's transition here. Uh, let's help our listeners who want to get to this stage, avoid some pitfalls, right? So you look at yourself coming from this one man team to really setting a solid foundation for this rocket ship to launch on, you know, what are your biggest lessons learned, you know, over the last six months, uh, or further, you know, as we go through this kind of rapid growth phase, that's another really good question. And, and as I was thinking about this, uh, spending a lot of time at the end of the year, reflecting what went well, what didn't go well. Three things really rose to the top for me, uh, especially if you think about this growth trajectory in 2022, which I think is important to frame up, right? We, we acquired more than double the size of our portfolio, acquired more than 400 units, brought on a bunch of team members. Uh, we completely redid our tech stack uh, from beginning to end with better quality solutions. Um, you know, we, we went through a property management transition where our old property manager just was not performing for us or our investors. We had to rip the bandaid off. And that's one of the most painful things you'll ever go through. Uh, but just a ton of change. And when you look at what we've accomplished, yeah, there's obviously things that went well, things that didn't go as well. And there's always lessons to be learned. So top three, are first one is no matter what your plan is, you got to be nimble and you got to just roll with it. You can't fight the universe. You can't hope and wish things have gone differently. You just got to take in the information, make a decision with the best, the best information that you have. We're never going to have perfect information, right? For example, for me, I, I laid out this big five-year plan that I had, this five-year growth plan. And and honestly, uh, everything on that plan has happened probably twice as fast as I expected. 
And it's one of those things where you could fight it and fight the timing and say, no, we're not supposed to be there yet. Or you just have to embrace it. And that's what I've done and said, even, I mean, even from Curtis, like you bring you on that, that was not on my radar to, to form a partnership with a guy like you uh, to focus on capital raising. Right. And really, really amp up that and allow me to focus on my other core areas. Right. But then that led to the rest of the team. And if you think about, um, you know, everything that we've done, the growth in the portfolio and the opportunities in front of us, relationships we've built, it's all happened faster than, than I expected. And so I think it's this idea of you've got to, you've got to be able to have this flow and this nimbleness about you. I mean, as an entrepreneur and, and you've got to just be able to have a plan, but where I think a lot of people go wrong is they spend too much time on the planning. You know, you write a 50 page business plan, right? At the end of the day, in a small business and as an entrepreneur, like things are going to change and, and every three months, I mean, the world's going to look completely different to you. And I think you need, you need a solid plan as a North star, but you need to just be able to constantly pivot and readjust throughout that process. So that's one, uh, be nimble, roll with it. Number two is don't be afraid to make mistakes and, but learn from those mistakes, right? We've had so much change. If you think about, some of the big disruptors uh, within our company over the last six months, our tech stack, right? We've totally redesigned our tech stack to be better than before. And what does that mean? Well, we switched from uh, being a Google platform to being a Microsoft platform. We migrated everything from Google into Microsoft. I mean, that was a major disruption. Uh, you know, Taylor, our manager of investor experience, really took that on and owned that project because we really didn't have anybody else to do it. And, and I don't think she'd be mad at me for saying this, like tech is not necessarily her strength. Relationships are her strength. Um, but she did the best she could. And, and she said, you know what, I'm going to step up. I'm going to do this. She did a great job. We had hiccups along the way, but just it, it, it was a disruption. You know, we're looking for documents, finding things, getting, uh, doing the cleanup afterwards. If you think about on marketing, you know, switching from you know, like a mail trip, to a Cadillac like HubSpot to be able to better engage with our investors, uh, with new investors, current investors, with that switch over. Um, our investor, we switched investor portals uh, that just provides a better service to our investors, more transparency, um, better automations, different things. I mean, all within the last six months as we're onboarding new people, right? So you're going to make mistakes, um, but you just got to roll with it. Um, and you just gotta you just gotta figure it out as you go, and you gotta be really good at critical thinking and problem solving. And I think the ability to delegate and also have people step up is, is so critical. Right, and I think you know when you know something isn't working or is holding you back, right? You've established this foundation, and you're trying to put the right people in the right seat, but also have the right tech stack. Um, if something's holding you back, you can't be afraid to lean into that, get uncomfortable, rip that bandaid off, as you said, and move forward. Because, you know, not doing that and waiting, it is really only going to delay uh, the rocket ship from taking off. Yeah, I think that's right. And being able to spend into that with the faith that, um, yeah, we, we've invested in more expensive tech, but we're going to get the returns. It's going to provide a better experience for our investors and everybody we interact with. The other one, as far as don't be afraid to make mistakes, is just org chart. Uh, I, I had a, an old boss in my consulting days that said org charts are ephemeral, right? Meaning they're, they're always changing. Um, 
And sometimes with org charts and hiring, because our org chart has drastically changed from what I first thought to now six months later, sometimes you don't know what you need until you figure out what you don't. You know, and I think we've had some great lessons there. I think we've been slow to hire, quick to fire. We've made some tough decisions, but sometimes you just have to, you think you need one thing and you realize that's not a right fit. And you just got to, again, be nimble and change and move on. But, but don't be afraid of that. And don't be afraid when you recognize that, that the person's not a right fit that to act quickly um, because the people are, are the, the key to your organization. Last one is property management. Man, this has been a roller coaster ride. Our investors know this. We've been transparent about it. But I mean, our property manager who who has grown with us from the beginning just couldn't grow with us anymore. I think, frankly, we outscaled. Um, we outscaled them. Uh, performance really was hurting uh, in the past you know few months of 2022 to the point that all the action plans you put together and all the things that we tried to do from taking my own marketing team and having them try to generate leads uh, to everything was just distracting us from, from what we needed to do. And, and, and at the end of the day, what I realized was, you know, in this relationship, we're the customer. And, and I felt like we were putting more into it than, than we were getting out of. And, and I was spending way too much time in management. And so we had to rip the bandaid off and we did. And it was difficult. It happened in December. It happened through the holidays. But we brought on two amazing management firms, one for our indie portfolio and one for our Ohio portfolio. And man, is it a night or day difference and a breath of fresh air. And we're on the upswing and things are getting righted. And I know that we're going to be better positioned. And I know that we're going to be able to do right by our investors through these amazing new relationships. And the great thing about real estate is you know, real estate is a problem solving business. You're going to have problems, but that's why these are long-term investments, right? That that hiccup over a couple of months isn't going to diminish the value over the long term of these investments. We're still going to provide, I think, exceed return expectations on all of our portfolio. Um, and, and that's one of the great things about real estate. But you know, you've got to, you've got to again be willing to rip the band-aid off and do what hurts to get to a better place. And so that's my number two. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Learn from them. The last one is you got to have faith over fear. I love I love that quote. Faith over fear. You got to become comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, I don't think people spend enough time talking about like just that concept that like you're never going to feel good when you're growing a business, right? Because there's always new things. It's this idea of you've got to become comfortable leaning in to the suck at times. You got to become comfortable um, being willing to figure it out. Um, and so if, if you're not willing to do that, I don't think you're going to be able to, to successfully you know thrive in this business because there's things that come up. You're pro solving problems every day. But at the end of the day, you've got to have faith you got to surround yourself with the right people and really invest in those people. Surround yourself with the right, the right products, buy the right assets, and and trust the process. If you do the right things, the outcomes will come if you keep working hard at it. And so, I think that's what we've realized and seen, and we're in a fantastic position to start 2023. I'm so excited, like you said, the analogy, like for this rocket ship to take off. Uh, but but a ton of lessons learned through 2022. And so my hope is that, that you guys can benefit from our lessons. I know our investors are benefiting from our lessons as we continue to improve process every day. 
But if you're out there trying to do it on your own, I hope you take these uh, and can run with some of these and continue to, um, you know, just improve your own process. And one thing, Curtis, I, I know I didn't really prompt you on this, but I, I'd love to just put you on the on the hot mic for a second and say, there's got to be a bonus uh, lesson learned out there from a guy that's raised over $150 million in capital to say through a time, a tough time in 2022, you know, what's your biggest lesson on building investor trust uh, in a tumultuous time and building those relationships and, and helping folks, you know, let's say make their first real estate investment? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, and I think you kind of hit on it a little bit there. It really does come down to trust. Um, I think a lot of times when people look at private equity or syndications, um, you think about the deal, you think about the marketing deck and that you just need to walk somebody through this deck and get them the IRRs and the multiples and the debt coverage. Um, but really that's not what it's about, right? What I've noticed, you know, from back when I raised money at the pizza restaurant and then the speakeasy beer bar, you know, it's really those relationships you have and the trust that you have in those relationships that's sort of where the money follows. And what I mean by that is everybody is so busy in their day-to-day -day lives that you know what they do with their finances and how they invest sometimes takes a back burner um, or gets you know put to the side. And you know for most people, you know they save money and they hand it over um, you know to various financial advisors. Um, and they know that they want to get into real estate, but they don't know how, right? So most of my job is really being available, um, really 24-7, uh, fitting into people's busy lives, uh, whether that's weekends or evenings, and just being there for them to discuss the basics. Sometimes it's what is commercial real estate? Sometimes it's can I invest my self-directed IRA? What is a self-directed IRA? I don't understand cap rates. And a lot of it just comes down to being available to answer their needs, you know? And a lot of that is really just education. And I don't really ever feel like raising capital is a sales job. Uh, it's a relationship job. And at the end of the day, you know, all the people, you know, whether it's from your base or the friends and family in my life along this wild journey that I've had, um, they're all excited to get on the phone. They're all excited to learn about a new opportunity. And each one of them has a unique story about what they need to get comfortable, right? And that's at the end of the day, what people are trying to do. You know, most people don't want to become experts in this space. They need to trust you, the GP. They need to have transparency. They need to know that that operator is running the business with integrity, uh, right? And if all of those criteria are met and you can build those relationships, whether it's through education or through a dinner or through, uh, you know, out there doing community service or an adrenaline event, you know, those type of relationships are what follows the money or is open to hearing you know, what opportunities you've had out there. Because like you said, there's tons of money 
on the sidelines. And that's institutional. Like when I look at, you know, how much institutional money is on the sideline, you know, that's great. But what is also very apparent to me is the amount of money from the normal retail investor through all of our grassroots family and friends that are out there, that there's so much money that wants to find alternative investments, but it doesn't know how. And that's where building your team around the education side of why is multifamily so good? Why do we feel it's the best risk-adjusted return out there? Why has it outperformed so many other asset classes regardless of the economic cycle? You know, that's the mission I'm on and why I love this space is around educating people on how to diversify their portfolio so that whatever that might be for them, they find their risk and return that helps them sleep better at night, helps them meet retirement earlier, helps them pass down generational wealth. Um, there's so many reasons on you know why I love getting on that phone call with whether it's somebody I know or it's a brand new investor uh, that's looking to get into our community. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, and that's why we're so aligned, right? It's about the education and it's about just helping people gain gain access and, and better returns. And so we're going to wrap up the show there. Uh, man, it was fun being in the hot seat. Thank you, Curtis, for uh, you know providing uh, the interview and the commentary. Uh, I hope these lessons help you guys, uh, give you some better insight into who I am and what we've been going through some of those lessons learned that you can avoid. Um, and here's what I want to do. I, I think this would be a great opportunity. Curtis is a new member on the team. I want everybody to get to know him. So what I'm going to offer up is, you know, just a free half hour call with Curtis. Um, I mean, focused on education. If you want to get any questions answered, right? Like he said, how do you invest with your IRA? What is an SDIRA? You know, what's going on in the market? Just ad ask advice. I'm going to open that up. So what we're going to do is we're going to put a link in the show notes. You click on the link. It'll allow you to schedule some time with him. And uh, obviously you've heard from him today. He's a great resource. So guys, take advantage of that. And with that, we're going to wrap up the show. And I'm excited to kick off this new season and give you guys some fantastic content. Hope you guys have a great rest of the day. Go out and invest like a pro.